Casino Royale, Chapter 14, La Via Rose. Hello again. This is Melanie with Burb, James Burb, a secret agent parody. I'm back to discuss Ian Fleming's Casino Royale, Chapter 14, La Vie en Rose. The year is 1953 when Fleming's very first novel, Casino Royale, hits the shelves. It was only a few years earlier, in 1947, that the French singer Edith Piaf's song, La Vie en Rose, was released as a single. By the early 50s, it was so popular that several artists recorded their own versions, hoping to cash in on the song's success. In fact, seven different versions ranked in the Billboard Top 30 charts in the year 1950 alone. Famous singers of the era, including Tony Martin, Paul Weston, Ralph Flanagan, Bing Crosby, Victor Young, Dean Martin, Harry James, and Louis Armstrong, all recorded their take on the hit. So while the song may not be as widely recognized today, Fleming's initial readers would have known it well. The song's lyrics speak to an intense love so profound, resulting in the chorus, Je vois la vie en rose, which literally translates to, I see life in pink. This refers to the idiom, seeing through rose-colored glasses, meaning to have an overly optimistic, positive perception of something, often seeing things as better than they actually are. Chapter 14 opens with a joyous bond, confident in the success of his mission. The very first sentence of the chapter notes, quote, the entrance to the Roy Gallant was a seven-foot golden picture frame, which had once, perhaps, enclosed the vast portrait of a noble European. Now, at first glance, Fleming could have meant this to be symbolic of the vanquished Lachif, the image of someone once important having been removed and forgotten, or it might even foreshadow Bond not being able to see the big picture. Another thought is that maybe the empty picture frame is even a symbol of the emptiness Bond feels in his own life, an emptiness he hopes to fill by loving Vesper. As Bond and Vesper enter the room, we see he is at odds with himself, something that can be seen throughout this book as well as the entire series. Even after his big win, he's tempted to gamble, but is afraid it would be, quote, a kick in the teeth to the luck which had been given to him. Now, I mentioned in chapter 13 how luck is one of the themes in this book. Well, for this chapter, I would like to talk about another theme of the story, control versus submission. The theme of luck plays into this, as luck is pretty much the antithesis of something you can control. Now, in my chapter 13 commentary, I purposefully didn't talk about how, after winning the big game, Bond wanted to have sex with Vesper. And the reason I didn't mention it back then is because I wanted to talk about it here. Bond desires control. We see examples of this throughout the book. He's meticulous 
meticulous. He has routines. He likes things in order. So it doesn't come as much surprise. He wants to control Vesper. He wants to take her, to have her submit to him. And what's interesting about Bond's desire to dominate her is that he is actually subservient. He's a servant of the government. And this concept is further supported even in the name James Bond itself. In the book Ian Fleming's Seven Deadlier Sins and 007's Moral Compass, author Benjamin Pratt theorizes that Fleming took 007's name straight from the Bible's Book of James, chapter 1, verse 1, James, a bondservant of God. Now, Pratt points out in one of Fleming's interviews, when a reporter asked Fleming where he came up with the name for our hero, he specifically turns the phrase that the book Birds of the West Indies is one of his Bibles. And it's also interesting that Felix refers to Bond as St. James a few times throughout Fleming's series. Now, Pratt offers further evidence in his book, but I'm not going to delve into that here. Whether or not uh, it served as an inspiration to Fleming could be debated, but it is something really interesting to think about, and it does support the theme of good versus evil, God versus the devil, which will be discussed further in the chapter 20 commentary. And it also speaks to this theme of submission or serving versus controlling. The nightclub sets an incredibly romantic scene with our namesake title song playing to set the mood. Bond intends to bed Vesper. The first thing he says to her in this chapter is, quote, It's wonderful sitting here with you and knowing the job's finished. It's a lovely end to the day, the prize giving. He sees Vesper as another prize he intends on winning. But even with this romantic setting, things are not going how Bond anticipated. Vesper is disinterested. This, uh, this is the starting the falling action of our story. Bond grows increasingly frustrated, causing him to drink heavily. Vesper excuses herself after receiving a note from Mathis, which prompts Bond to piece together that something's fishy. Vesper is kidnapped, and Bond finds her purse in a bed of flowers. Flowers, of course, are a symbol of romance and love, but this is not the type of bed Bond was planning on having Vesper in. <laughs> in one of the last lines of our chapter, Bond opens her purse and finds the note from Mathis amongst the usual feminine baggage. And we know earlier in the book, Bond viewed Vesper herself as a sort of baggage. He was annoyed that she was along for the mission, and he's going to be even more annoyed now that she's kidnapped. And Vesper carries quite a bit of emotional baggage that we'll come to understand in the resolution of the book. So all of this brings us back to our title, La Vie en Rose. And note the question mark at the end. Is this a romantic love? Now, some might argue with me, but I feel their relationship follows the theme of control and submission, not love. And the title also speaks to Bond's optimism going into the evening, expecting Vesper to be totally taken with him. 
but things clearly aren't all coming up roses. And there's no rose without a thorn. This concludes my commentary for Chapter 14 of Casino Royale. Reference citation includes Benjamin Pratt, copyright 2008, Ian Fleming's Seven Deadlier Sins, and 007's Moral Compass, published by Front Edge Publishing, LLC, Ann Arbor, Michigan. On behalf of myself, the James Bond Complex, and 007 Intrepid, thanks for listening. Casino Royale Fan Commentary will return.